Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Epiphany, the revelation, the manifestation, the gigantic from on high in heaven, hey, look, because this is our God. It tells us who he is, what he's like, what he does. And we need that. Because otherwise, we would go looking for Herod long before we would ever think to go looking for the Christ child. Doesn't sound nice, but the wise men did. Not just because kings live in palaces either, because if we were going to go looking for God, we always figure he tends to look like the things that we lust after the most, whether or not we call him Jesus. Easy test. Does God want you to be happy? My gut tells me yes. But how many of the things that make me happy are pretty awful to other people? And pretty evil in the eyes of the Lord. Does God want you to be happy? It's not just, should we ignore what God calls sin if it makes us feel good? Because, no, repent. Your sins break stuff. Even if you can't see it at the time, that's why God calls them sin. See, Herod actually thought he was doing something pretty clever when, in looking for the Christ child, he sent his soldiers to go house after house and murder every single child under the age of two that happened to be male to make sure that whoever this child king was, he wouldn't grow up to replace him, even though Herod was in his 70s. And by the time that child grew up, Herod would be long gone anyway. Ask him how he felt about the slaughter of all those children, and, you know, he was fine with it. But Rachel wept, and she refused it to be comforted, because her children were no more. See, if God calls it wrong, maybe consider that, just maybe, he might know more than you on account of being God. He might make connections that you fail to make. He might actually be smarter than you, since, you know, he is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the heavens and earth. See, sometimes sin blinds us so much that we can't see who it hurts because it does make us happy. And you can bicker with me if you want, but here's the thing. If God really does just want us to be happy, why did he keep the angels so busy singing to shepherds when they could have been used to fight off Herod's army as they went house to house slaughtering children? Because I'm pretty sure that every single family in Jerusalem with a kid under the age of two would have been happier if that was the case. But he didn't. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I'm okay with that. I'm not. That bugs me. It should bug you too. That's allowed. Rachel refused to be comforted because of how awful that was. And this awful world hasn't stopped spinning. Tragedy after tragedy has happened ever since. From all the terrible things that we do to each other in violence, in theft, in unchastity that leaves families lying in pieces, to that which is so grounded in the very fibers of creation that thorns and thistles, storms and famines run together in our minds until something worse pops off just to break up the monotony of how awful this place can be sometime and stand out. In our heads. And God could stop it. He has the power, right? I'm not okay with how it looks down here. And you shouldn't be either. That's allowed. That's why I'll go looking for a Herod 
long before I'd ever think to go looking for a Christ. See, I want my own. I want a Herod too. Because if somebody has to bleed, I mean, I'd rather it not be us. If somebody threatens to make us less, I want a king who fights back. I want a king who swings on everyone who calls us names and threatens our way of life because we have got a lot to lose. We have got a lot that's precious and that is more than enough to shift our focus from God into things temporal. And it was the very same sentiment that led Herod to such a slaughter. Anything to keep health, wealth, luxury, and power. And that is a bitter pill to me because I want those things too. It is Herod's fear that drove him to such madness. And really, it's no different than our own. It's rooted in that thing that the word would call sin. And when we lean into that, it only drives us deeper into unbelief. And it came to the point where Herod didn't just want to seek his daily bread apart from God. He wanted to replace God. He wanted to kill God. And that shouldn't be too hard since, after all, God was just a baby. And the king with the whole army could probably take a baby. And that is the epiphany. The giant from on high in heaven. Hey, look, because this is our God. This is who he is. This is what he's like. This is what he does, this baby. He didn't send angels to fight for him, but to sing to shepherds and to warn wise men and an immigrant family to hide in Egypt from the slaughter back home. This is not only the dark world that he enters into, but the place that he takes inside of it. He will not be found in the palace, but in the manger. He is not on the hunt for Herod, but he is the hunted. He did not come into this world to avoid every awful thing that we are not okay with, whether or not we're afraid to give voice to it in a church because it makes us sound like we don't really trust God. But he came into this world to assume all of those things, to live in all of those things, to suffer all of those things and bear them for us. God did not come in power, but in weakness, not to conquer, but to bleed. So you will not find him on your own. In fact, you cannot, by your own reason or strength, believe in this Jesus Christ or come to him. It is only the Holy Spirit who reveals him, and that is the epiphany. The scriptures showed these wise men who this Christ child really was. They knew exactly what this kid would do. They gave Mary gifts that showed it, not just golden incense that showed that this was God-made man, but myrrh, that she would need to bury her own firstborn son in the tomb of a man who shared her dead husband's name. They knew this God came into the world to suffer all of it and die for sinners. Because the greatest thing that the Spirit showed them, the greatest epiphany was not just that this child king would die. It's that he would die for them. This wasn't just a king. It was their king. Because if God, if somebody has to bleed, God would rather it not be you too. He sent his own son to die for you. For me, for everybody struggling under the weight of sin and death and darkness in this world because things are not the way that they are supposed to be. God did not take sides. He did not pick winners and losers. God saved sinners. And so he came into this world to bleed and suffer for Israel and Gentiles, for you and for me, for Magi and for Herod, for all. He just wants to save sinners. Even you. Even me. He doesn't pick the victims over the shooters. He wants to save sinners. So he died for all. 
for Herod, for wise men, for me, and for you. For your sin and your ego and your fear that you would nurse into rebellion and worse, Christ died for you, and your sins are forgiven, washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, and Christ our Lord, he has risen for you too. This is what our God does. This is who he is. He climbs down from heaven to pull sinners out of the graves which we have dug for ourselves and call us holy and even worthy of love. Because of all of the tragedies in this world done from one sinner to another, of the slaughter that Rachel wept over, and did everything that had happened after that I am still not okay with. God is not okay with those things either. So you're allowed to talk about them that way. God is so not okay with those things that he would come down into this world and bear them himself just to set them aright. God would climb down from heaven and he would suffer all of those things, even if it meant going to the grave himself to pull you back out of it. He has ripped open the graves of every single child slaughtered by Herod that was taught to trust in the promises that God would make to them. Because two years old is not too young to hear the gospel. We gave it to Olivia today, washed her in the gospel, washed her in the baptism that death itself cannot rob from her, that tied her to a life that Christ has won for her through his own death. And I can't promise that it means wealth or even health but it does mean life that not anything, not even death itself can destroy. It does mean shelter in the God who has endured all things for her and for you. For Christ is risen from the dead and we will rise too. Epiphany. The giant from heaven on high. Hey, look. This is who your God is. And this is what he does in his church. Because after today, we'll pull down all the Christmas decorations, and Satan will dare you to think that the church is emptier. So answer him. Epiphany. This is who our God is. The God made flesh to dwell with sinners, die for sinners, and save sinners. He is heaped out in the same flesh of body and blood for you to eat and drink. He is given in word and promise a light shining in the very darkest of places that God would actually endure present for you in this church, that you would eat and drink salvation itself. Because the church is full of Jesus is here for you. Whether or not there's a half-dead tree with lights on it right here. Life endures where Christ crucified is given for you. Epiphany. Hey, look, here's your God for you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.